Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to the second podcast. Wow. Plan for Life Now, colon, the podcast, episode two. Yeah, I would like to thank all of you in your response to the first podcast. Um, <laughs> we had a few people. Did we have a they, few people? Well, maybe friends and no, family. No, we did have somebody. I mean, we have a couple. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can see when people... This thing is going to build up like a tidal wave. Yeah. It's like a snowball going downhill, you know? It's picking up steam. Right. The snowball has to start with a crystal of ice, yep. which is where we're starting, and builds into a big snowball. Right. So, podcast number two. Yeah. And this is the... What would you call this? The middle of summer? I mean, it feels like middle of summer. This is the week after the 4th of July. It's a Friday. It's hot. Ooh, it's Washington hot. For those of you not listening to Washington, which is great about the podcast. That's the other thing I like about the podcast. Can the podcast be taken by somebody and say, hey, listen to this podcast. Passed along. Like, uh, Yeah, absolutely. I would actually encourage your wife to get on her Facebook account and share the link to our podcast and our website and all that stuff that I put out there. I would encourage her to do that. And actually, I'd encourage my wife to do it, too, because I don't think she's done it yet. Uh, but yeah, anybody can listen to the podcast anywhere in the world. If you're listening to it, it sort of seems like preaching to the choir to say this, but I'll say it anyway. You can always listen to it on our website, which is planforlifenow.com, right. or you can go on iTunes and you can search for Plan for Life Now, and you're going to see a picture of our beautiful faces there. And you're going to click on that and say subscribe. That's how we're advertising this, by showing our faces. Okay. I'm not in charge of the marketing of this, but that's cool. Whatever works. Um, So we start with our own personal message. I think this is, again, we're going to try to keep this podcast like the radio show used to be, which Mm -hmm. means it's just not all going to be financial, but we will get to it. And this relates to financial somehow. But the big news at Capital Retirement Strategies is definitely this week was my torn calf muscle. Yeah. This this pretty much dominated our uh, discussions. Or at least since we'd have a discussion <laughs> and I'd start it and I'd be complaining about my calf muscle. I'm not at all tired of hearing the story when you tell it to clients. Really? No, I'm kidding. I'm okay, I'm so tired of telling it. <laughs> I don't know if I feel like telling the whole story, but basically last Saturday, which was July... Second, uh, it was a big weekend, but I was basically, it was a gorgeous weekend here in Washington, beautiful weather. My wife and I went for a long hike and I felt great after that. She had with this big wedding weekend we were doing with, she had to go get her hair done. So I had some time and, and usually after a long hike, I'm done for, I'm 54 and a half years old. 
I don't know why I keep throwing in the half. But <laughs> like I said, so are you like, six? <laughs> so after that, investment advisor, indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital retirement strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Of playing my son in basketball in the driveway. And on, in that third and final activity, which was two activities more than I should have been doing, and I stretch. I'm a great stretcher before basketball, as you know. I'm a religious stretcher, including mm-hmm. the calf. I didn't stretch, and I basically – I'm going to the doctor on Tuesday. But it, from according to the internet <laughs> – Which is always a, accurate. <laughs> it is a grade two pushing, I think, grade three, but a, a serious grade two calf tear. Which I think means I'm out of basketball for the summer league for sure. But I think I'll be back by September 15th. And now the big thing is when we play golf, can I play? We're going to try it. I don't know. Right now I can barely walk, as you know. Wow. I imagine the listeners out there are just hanging on every word What does that have to do with financial? Let's start with what in the world does that have to do? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do. I stretched that damn calf. I'm a religious stretcher. I like really like playing basketball and I want to be active and I know that stretching is incredibly important Mm -hmm. and I do it every single time and this one day I was feeling great and I skipped it one day and if you do that so what what would be my analysis in that hey you know what I'm not a market timer I've always never timed the market Hmm. but then that one thing happens like Brexit or something that affects you a lot more and this one time whether it's for you Republicans out there, Obama coming into <laughs> office. Hey, I'm not a marketer, but it's Obama. We had a lot of conservative clients because we were, were on WMAL and a lot of their political leanings uh, was conservative. So they listened to that station on a regular basis. And when Obama came in, they were like, oh, this is a disaster. Was, yeah. And I, some of them still think that. But the reality is for their money, they're saying this is never going to work. It was right after the Great Recession. I'm pulling out of stocks. I never timed the market before. And I'm pulling up, but I'll put it back when things get better. Mm-hmm. But you never know when things get better. I should have. I should always stretch a calf muscle before playing a high impact squat, and I always did, except this one time. Yeah, well, and this one time's going to cost you, uh, you know, a couple months worth of basketball. In your financial plan, though, you know, doing that one time could cost you. We saw a lot of people who got out at the depths right when President Obama was inaugurated. They got out that day. I mean, literally, they timed it down to that and said, I'm done. And they missed out on the first 30 or 40 percent of a, a market correction. And I'm not going to sit. But I'm going to tell you something. But and people say, well, I, I left my money in during Brexit and that didn't bother me. And I get that. But I listened to the radio. This was on MAL. It's another station. And I'm not going to say who the person was, but it was someone who was on the radio a lot. And they always put her on for these situations on the news station. And she goes, and a lot of times when this happens, she says the same thing. Mm-hmm. Every other time she said, you know what? These are one-time events. Don't panic. The same thing we're saying. This one-time Brexit, she goes, this might be. <laughs> she said this might be a lasting long thing because of this, right. because of the currency. And I'm like thinking everyone who listens to you is going to do what I did. They're going to do the not stretching your calf of financial planning. Yeah. Pull out and then not know when to go back in, which is a disaster. So like I said, we're sitting here on July the 8th, and it was two weeks ago this afternoon, two weeks ago today, that we did the first podcast. And that was the day after Brexit. 
right? So if, if you listen to that last show, you heard us sitting here hitting refresh on the computer, watching to see how far the Dow Jones had fallen. And if you remember your chronology, it fell on that Friday, it fell on the Monday, and then basically bounced back since then. Uh, well, here as we sit, like I said, on July the 8th, we're actually above where we were before Brexit. So, you know, this is a small period of time. Who knows? The lasting impacts could be a lot greater and they could linger. And You just don't know these things. But the point is, those people who on Friday and Monday were ready to jump, at this point, it would have been a big mistake to do that. Right. I mean, you got to be in and it's harder for the, you know, we love everyone who's listening right now, but we focus on retirement planning. We focus on people in their late 50s and 60s who are listening to this mm -hmm. and even 70s. And it's like you are in the stock now as part of your retirement plan for the long haul. Right. And you have to basically have a lot of discipline emotionally when you're not working anymore or even when you're close to not working anymore to be able to to see things go down and, and not panic. And the only way to have that discipline is to have a plan put together that it, that answers your immediate money needs to let you know that you don't need to sell your stocks when they're low. Yep. So on that topic, we thought it would be good. And the way that I'm going to title this podcast is we're going to be talking about Dave's calf muscle is important, but less so for your financial plan. And also talking about the 4% rule, right? And I thought this would be a good podcast to talk about this because we are in the middle of summer. There's no particular events going on right now, no big issues or anything, um, you know, save for the election in the fall. But for right now, everything's pretty quiet. And the 4% rule, while sounds really boring to most people, is the crux, is the, the critical element of everything that we do. And let me expand yeah. on that and what I mean by that. So a little background here. If you don't know what the 4% rule is, so if you're sitting there thinking, God, he's going to talk about this and I don't even know what it is. The 4% rule was come up, uh, a guy by the name of William Benjen. Uh, he was a financial planner in the, the 1990s in California, I don't know if you knew all this background, but... <laughs> this is the PBS show. I turned the channel on real quick. <laughs> no, we're getting to the really good stuff. But I'm giving a little background here because we've got time. Um, so in the 1990s, this guy, William Benjen, financial planner in California, he's looking at a bunch of charts of historical returns. And he says that if you take a 4% withdrawal from a portfolio you're probably not going to run out of money, and I should say adjust for inflation every year, you're probably not going to run out of money before you die. right? I think that's okay. probably the easiest way to just summarize what the 4% right. rule is. That, that is, it seems so, pretty simple. Yeah, and to, to put some hard numbers to that, let's say you've got a million dollars and you take out 4%, which would be $40,000, you adjust for inflation every year, and you have a normal life expectancy, you're in a balanced portfolio, all of that, you're probably not going to run out of money, right? And right. that's what a lot of retirement planning and income planning is based on, is I can take a reasonable withdrawal rate. Uh, if I take too much, you know, he didn't say that it was the 7% rule. If I take 7%, eh, chances are I might run out of money. So 
why is this so important and, and what do we think of it now? Because what I'm going to do with this podcast is I'm going to post a this article and this uh, link to this article. And this article is in the Wall Street Journal. This has been one of our favorite articles for, for years now. Right. Uh, and the title of the article is Say Goodbye to the 4% Rule. You know what? We should have done this on Thursday. Why? Because on Facebook, Thursday is Throwback Thursday. And this is a throwback from three years ago. <laughs> I'm guessing most of our audience doesn't care or know that Thursdays is Throwback Thursday. If we actually had to pass a technology test to do this podcast, mm-hmm. it would just be you. Because <laughs> I'm not on Facebook, but I've heard of Throwback Thursday. Even I, because okay. my wife's on Facebook. Okay. All right. So I'm going to post this uh, link to this article, Say Goodbye to the 4% Rule. And what the, the crux of it is is that in this environment that we're in now, in this world of very low interest rates and most likely lower than average stock returns going forward, the 4% rule doesn't really hold up. And we've, on the radio show in the past, we talked about this many times, that depending on who calculates what the new rule is, some people say it's the 2.5% rule. Some people say it's the 3% rule. But it's not the four percent. The four percent rule. Just go with the three percent rule. The two and a half percent rule is probably too depressing for people. Well, now remember, for you listening, you don't even know what we're talking about. Once yeah. you tuned out, once he talked about that guy who, <laughs> I, the PBS guy. But what this basically means is, it's pretty hard to set aside a million dollars. Most people, it's I, I have trouble setting aside a million dollars for the sole purpose of spending my retirement income. Right. If I were to have the million dollars for the sole purpose of spending my retirement income, for the four percent rules, I could take forty thousand dollars a year. If you live in I don't know Washington D.C. area, and you're only collecting Social Security, which for most people, let's say for most couples, their combined Social Security is going to come up to thirty-five hundred yeah, a month, yeah, maybe four thousand a month. Sure, four thousand a month. And then I get I have a million dollars spinning income at four percent, and that's forty thousand. And when I add that together, the forty thousand plus the forty eight thousand that's you know, that's eighty eight thousand dollars. Before so that, you pay taxes. Before you pay taxes. And a right. lot of you listening say this is what you say about retirement. Oh, I could live on eighty eight thousand dollars. Here's a question for you. Are you living on eighty eight thousand dollars now? <laughs> No. Only if you live in Parade Magazine, where it says the average American lives on $88,000. But guess what? In our area, the average American does not live on $88,000. I don't know about the area you're listening to, but if you're this, listening to this podcast, you either live in D.C. or used to, and you're retired because you're one of our clients. Right. So, yeah. So then when Steve says some advice, some you know analysts and people who look at the, the stats – are saying it's a 2.5% rule, that says if I have a million dollars, that's only 25000 I could take along with Social Security. And by the way, many of you don't have a million dollars. You have maybe 300000 Maybe you have 600000 total. And 300000 is set aside for the purpose of retirement income. And this is where, when you start to know the statistics, you know that need you need a financial advisor who's really good at this stuff when you're living on you're projecting for your retirement only social security and you're living on your 401k 
or whatever your retirement assets are because it's pretty darn hard to carve out income and to carve out liquidity. You need the rest of the money for everything else going on. That's where this 4% this rule is such a, that's why it is, like Steve said, it is the, the son of the universe of financial planning, well, retirement I, planning anyway. Yeah, but here's, uh, here's the point, and I want, I want to make sure that you come back to this because I know you wanted to talk about oh, okay. the way that financial planning oh, yeah. is done in a lot of places. Right. I was my rage versus, against the machine mode before we started the podcast. Yeah, and we allowed time for that. Um, but I want to come back to that because what you're talking about there, why it's kind of the crux or the, the sun that we revolve around and, and it's not for a lot of other people is because you can't. We're not going to sit here. We're not going to sit in front of any client and tell them that, hey, we're the smartest guys around. We know when to get in. We know when to get out. We know when the signs are telling us, hey, all the signs say get out of the market or all the signs say get into gold or get out of China. We're not going to sit there and do that because we don't think anyone can do that. You can't reliably predict which sectors are going to perform best, which countries are going to perform best, where to be allocated, when to be in stocks, when to be out of stocks. We can't do that. So once we accept that, which believe me, is not easy for a lot of people to accept. And a lot of people will say, oh yeah, yeah, I know most people can't, but my guy, he knows. I mean, he's right. plugged in. No, your guy's not no. plugged in. <laughs> no, 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 wait a second. My guys at XYZ Firm, they're the smartest guy. No, they're not the smartest guys. And I can show you all the data and studies on that, but I think that would really bore people if we talked about that. So we've got to accept that we can't control the markets. We're subject to whatever they do. Now, we can do a whole other podcast about the best way to participate in the markets. But for right now, let's just say we can't control them. We're either going to get good returns, bad returns, somewhere in the middle. How do we deal with that in our overall plan? And that's why we use that 4% or 3% rule as we don't want to run out of money. We don't want to be in retirement. Now we're out of money. What do we do? Well, it's hard to adjust for that after the fact. And I really think that contrasts with the way that a lot of people, a lot of our industry... You know, bash our industry just a little, nobody too specific. A lot of our industry is all about, oh, well, we can beat this and we can beat that market and we can do better. And I think that's where, frankly, our industry lets a lot of people down. Well, okay, so this now boils down to what? Now, remember, part of our industry and part of any industry is marketing. You, any firm, wants clients, including ours, we everybody wants clients that is how you make a living and everything else <clears throat> but within the mass marketing of of this stuff of retirement planning and who is who is the number one client everybody wants baby boomers right hello because they're the ones who have assets to be managed mm -hmm. the rest of america is trying to earn money paying for as little trying kids to get out of debt. <laughs> trying to save for college if they even can get out of debt but the baby boomers are the ones who have the assets that need to be managed all right so now so that's what we're looking for as a target financial this retirement planning is a complicated thing and it, and we'll start with the notion that right now in america as pensions are going away 
Still a lot of people have a pension. Here in D.C., we have government people. Some have the great CSRS pension, which is a well, you know all the details well, of the pensions. Hold on, let's, let's even pause right there and explain to people what we mean by pensions going away. It, you know, traditionally you think of a defined benefit pension as you work for a company for a lot of your career, you retire, and they pay you a fixed dollar amount every month. So for instance, like Dave was talking about, the old CSRS government pensions were essentially you could get two, two and a half percent of your pay for every year of service. So you worked for the government for 35 years, you'd have probably 70, 75 percent of your pay in the form of a pension, right? Contrast that with somebody that nowadays works for the government for 35 years and they'll only have 35% of their pay. So less than half of what they would have had. That translates to, well, if if I'm not getting that money from a pension, where am I going to get it from? Well, I get some Social Security and then I have my own savings, my right. own money. And I've got to figure out how to manage it, do all that stuff. Right. But when it comes to corporate America, <laughs> what are they looking to do on a TV commercial? They're looking to bring people in. Who knows what kind of experience the actual advisors have, but first we're going to bring people in. We're going to bring them in pretty easily. Here's what you want to look like. You want to look like this good-looking couple. You might look like Dave, who's balding and doesn't look like this guy, but what we're going to make you think you're going to look like is some older version of George Clooney, who's on a sailboat. And you look awesome, and you're retired, and you're happy, and you're on the beach, and you're kind of like reflective happy. You're looking what back about- at your life of, my kids are great, and there's never any issues with them. Yeah, that's the real world. And all this stuff. So to get to that sailboat looking like your older George Clooney deal, <clears throat> you come to our firm. Now when you come to their firm, at that point, what what are you to them? There's an old song, it's Before Your Time, Bob Seeger. He has a song called Feel Like a Number. And it's okay. all kind of like, you know what? I just feel like I'm part of this American grind. Well, like, ultimately, I'm just like another part of the widget that's going from little factory section to factory section before it's put into the, you know, into the blender or car or whatever. I'm a cookie cutter little thing. Yeah, but here's here's my problem with it. Because you, you talk about, okay, you're older version of George Clooney, you've got that sailboat. You forgot to mention in, in these commercials, uh, the people, they invite their financial advisor to the wedding, <laughs> right? That's that's one of your favorite ones there. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't, <laughs> we don't we get couldn't anyway. Get, <laughs> well, I think we're good. Nobody's inviting us to weddings. We couldn't get Cousin Fred a, a seat at the wedding, but right. we got this guy. Right, with know? all the family arguments over that. Oh right. yeah, the financial advisor. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's good. No, but here's here's my problem. So you come in, you know, and you meet with somebody and maybe the financial advisor is a really good guy. Maybe he's even he or she is even very knowledgeable. Maybe they really know what they're doing. But the problem is they work for a big company. And when you work for a big company, I mean a lot of you out there listening know that you don't always agree with what your company is doing. The company dictates to a certain extent what they want to achieve. Now your job is within the, whatever whatever the company's uh, general goal is, is to, is to do the best you can. Now a lot of advisors are looking at what the company dictates and, and, and a client scenarios, but ultimately 
what's necessary in within this whole thing. One is you got to meet somebody a lot. So part of it is just numbers. You know, you have to, we feel you have to meet, like our very first meeting with a client, the entire first meeting is only about finding out about the client. Mm-hmm. We spend an hour to an hour, fifth, whatever the client, whatever we need in this meeting of the month, we got to find out about them, not just where their assets are and what they have, not just their real estate holdings and their insurance holdings, but more about them as, as people and when are they planning on retiring? What's their feeling about money? And so many things, that takes time. That's the whole first part of this process before you even get to the second part of the process, which now is where I have a problem. If I, there is a different kind of plan. If this, A, to be in our business, in my opinion, requires a lot of experience and expertise, not just on the investment side, but on the insurance side as well. Mm-hmm. That, the only way to garner that experience, I, got, I hate to tell you, is time. Mm-hmm. Is at being in the business, having met a lot of people, seeing, you know, because you need to have experience in both sets of products. Well, I mean, frankly, we come across a lot of people, you know, what, what are insurance products that Dave's talking about? Life insurance, long-term care, annuities, disability insurance, where people have these things. But you know what? They, they don't have anyone who's still, you know, the, the agent who sold it to them is gone or disappeared. So now when they try to answer questions, they get right. bounced around. How many times have we met people who have, you know, they've been bounced around, they've come to us, and they have product in there. Let's say they have some annuities. And their opinion on this product, their opinion, mm-hmm. oh, I think these are bad. This mm-hmm. is the client telling us this. Steve and I look at it and said, you know, actually, you have no idea what you have, <laughs> but they're not bad. They right. sort of fit in your plan. Now, what are the mechanisms of this annuity that you have sold? Well, we we will find that out, and how do, will we fit it into the plan you have? But is this thing that you thought was bad, bad? No. Now we have a new problem. Right. If Do I have a sales quota or not? Right. Because well, that's, do, do I have incentive to tell that person whose annuity they brought to me was good? And can fit in their plan to get rid of it. Is there pressure on me for that or not? Well, that's the bottom line of what I was trying to say is, you know, when you work with somebody who works for a big bank, brokerage house, insurance company, whatever, there's going to be, whether that person is a good person, not good person, knowledgeable, not, there's going to be pressure on them to sell certain things. And that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. So... I mean, this is often going towards, we think that a starting point when you're looking for a financial advisor should be, are they independent, right? Are they truly independent? And there's, you know, there's a lot of independence out there. So I'm not saying that's, you know, makes it all good, that it's everything's fine, but it's a good starting point. So you at least know that there's not some corporate entity pressuring them to sell something. And I would say the number two thing on my list then would be, are these advisors used to working with people like me, age group and situation to be specific? Because in our work, all, you know, capital retirement strategies, just sort of get what we do. You know, this is what we work on. We work on things like having to create retirement income in the midst of also needing to keep a, a fairly liquid portfolio for whatever might come up right. at the time. And that's sort of what we specialize in on on the retirement planning side and and every case is different 
and it takes time you know to ultimately go through the process before somebody becomes a client you and us have one thing in common we don't want to pressure anybody <laughs> we're not into that no, deal it's... yeah we don't want to meet you forever and just start chatting after a while but at the same time it is a methodical process that should not be rushed to put together the right initial game plan that we think you know, I've always said that's 66% of the deal. It's two-thirds of the deal is putting together the initial game plan and have that on the right track and then following up with that as the years go on. Well, yeah, and you've got to have that good game plan in place because what you don't want to do is have the next Brexit happen or whatever the next thing is that maybe is 10 times worse than Brexit, and then you're trying to adjust. Then you're trying to come up with a plan. It just doesn't work well. Right. So then we come back, we come to, to the, what seemingly is near the end of this podcast. It is. From what we talked about at the beginning, which was someone, you're upset about Brexit or whatever's going on, and what do I do? When you have a really solid plan put together that you understand that's been sort of working for you over time, and you have a good relationship with your financial advisor <laughs> to, you know, that when there's something that comes up, you feel like you can call them. You know, you when all that happens and then something bad happens out there and you pick up the phone and you say, hey, what's going on right now? Those answers should be tangible. That's not like, hey, don't worry, things will get better. Or, hey, I'm really busy right now. This is horrific. <laughs> that, answer, that would be worse. That answer is basically, hey, here's what we set up. Even though things are down right now, you are fine on retirement income. Look at your expenses versus what you have coming in from these various sources that we, we can count on. And here's where the rest of your assets are. And yeah, obviously, your, your equities are down right now. But, you know, we're not in any position where we have to sell, sell off, sell low and do that. For smart people, those answers don't come with some sort of emotional pat on the back. They come from a tangible answer by looking at your portfolio and giving you tangible reasons. You know. Absolutely. All right, good stuff. I, I think it was perfect timing in the middle of July here to go through a classic but critically important crux of why we plan the way that we do. So we'll be I back. Think, and I dare say Based on the quality of this podcast, we may double our listenership from the two and a half. One person listened for a half and then said, enough, from the two and a half to perhaps five plus. Oh, I'm way more optimistic, Dave. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. We will be back uh, probably in the next week or two, and we'll have an update on Dave's calf. Oh, good. And, I hope it's better. Uh, yeah, I hope it's a lot better. Uh, thanks for listening.